Anyway, l'chaim, l'chaim, we'll get you on to everybody. Shkaich to everyone putting this together. Again, it's, uh, it takes a village, you know, so shkaich to the whole village for putting this together. Certainly. And Hashem should bless them with all the brachas that come with Tubav. Them, the whole mishpachas, shalom bayis, and achas for children and everything. It's, uh, it's a big auspicious day. So the truth is, the truth is, it, it, it took me by surprise, honestly. This is the first time that we're doing Tubav together. It's the first, uh, first Tubav for Rain, so first of many more. But because it's, it's the first of, uh, of all the Tuba for Brangans, and we never really for about Tuba, so we have to explain what in the world is, is Tuba. What's Tuba? So I'm going to try to do the best I can in a short amount of time. It's the best I can. It's a very deviantif, you know. What do we know about Tuba? So Tuba is always associated with Shaduchim, with making Shaduchim. I'll mention the Makaris, the source of that, in a moment, but that's what Tuba was during the times of the Beis Amigdash. It was a time when Shaduchim were made. So, I'll tell you like this. Everyone's heard of the Shidduch crisis, right? Everyone knows that Shidduchim nowadays is not an easy thing. Certainly not. And uh, all you have to do is open up a Jewish newspaper and you'll find all the explanations in the world of why such a thing is happening nowadays. But I've yet to see someone talk about the premise of uh, the Shidduch crisis, of why such a thing is happening. So, I think that there's a number of elements. So, I want to talk about one particular Indian of why is it the Rabbanu Shalom made it in such a way that Davka before the end of time there's this uh, there's Minias when it comes to Shadduchim what exactly see the Nefesh of Bahamas has his own reasons why not to get married why there's Minias but the Nefesh of Lakis, what's what's bothering the Neshama that's before the end of time that's causing a little bit of an obstacle in that Indian of Shadduchim and so maybe just talking about it the Terst Shmizach to uh, to get over that, and everyone that needs a shidduch should see with Bukarv, and everyone that needs shalom bayi should see with Bukarv, and shidduch with children, not just with children, shidduch with children too. <clears throat> okay, so let me explain a little bit of the background. What's going on with Tubav? So everyone knows there's a mission of the end of Tainus. So the mission of the end of Tainus says, Amr Rabshim Begamliel, Rabshim Begamliel said, that the two greatest Yavim Taivim. In the Jewish people's history during the times of the Beis Hamikdash, were Tubav and Yom Kippur. And how were these two holidays celebrated? The Yom Kippur side of things we're not going to talk about. But how were these two Yantiv celebrated? They were celebrated in a similar way. Shabaha and Shabahan Benayis Yisrael Yaitzais that the Jewish the, the young women would go out on Tubav and Yom Kippur, but again focusing on Tubav. Umechaylas Bekramim. They would go to the vineyards of Yerushalayim and they would make circles. They would dance in circles. Uh, and they would say to the Bachram, now this is, this is how the Shadduchim were arranged, So the girls would go out to the vineyards and make circles, and from the circles they would call out to the Bachram and say, Bachram, raise up your eyes and see what you pick. And that's how Shadduchim were made. So there's something, obviously the way, so there's a celebration of Tubav for, with Shadduchim, that's Aleph, but something about circles. There's something about circles with the Yantav of Tubav. The Judas is even brought down from the Oiv Yisrael, the Abdurav. The Abdurav said that the word Tubav means the 15th of Av. But if you think about it, Av is Aleph Beis. So Tubav could also be seen as the 15th letter of the Aleph Beis. What's the 15th letter of the Aleph Beis? Quickly. Letter Samach, which is a circle. There you go. See? Very good. There's, there's, there's always one of those in the crowd. Bresh is Bara? Elke. Oh, very good. So, so yes, yeah, so this letter Samach. So new, 
So that's so Tubov is connected to the circle. Even the Gemara at the end of Tainus, which is the last sugi, is talking about Tubov, and the Gemara ends up in Sechas Tainus with Amr Rabbalaz. Rabbalaz has said, "Asar Kedush Baruch Hu Lasis Machal Tzadikim." Rabbalaz said, "Lo, the Rebbeinu is going to make a circle that Tzadikim, all the Tzadikim Mar Be'etzpa. They're all going to point to the middle of the circle to the Rebbeinu Shloilam and say, 'Zeh Hashem Kivinu Loi.' This is the guy that we've been hoping for. So Hashem is going to sit in the middle of that circle, and everyone's going to be pointing. There's some Indian with circles. More than that." Not only is Tubov celebrated with circles, but it's celebrated with, in the context of Shaduchim, but it's celebrated with the girls going out and making circles in the vineyards. Seba's vineyards? Why is that the way to do it? It's a very mysterious thing. Okay, so that's how Tubov was celebrated. But then the Gemara goes on to talk about, but what's significant about Tubov though? Like, why was this that they picked to celebrate it with Shaduchim and this whole process over here? Like, what, what historical events took place on Tubov? that we're making, a, that it's marked on the calendar. What, what exactly is going on with Tubov? So the Gemara runs through six historical events that took place on Tubov. Six events. And we'll run through them very quickly, and Bezashem will try to explain them. The first two events are relatively similar in, in, in concept. The first event, says the Gemara, that took place on Tubov, is that Tubov was a day, Shehut Yushvatim Lovei Zebezeh. We know that as we were entering into Eretz Yisrael, one of the last mitzvahs, the last uh, parsha, the last part of Sefer Dvar, Sefer B'midbar, was Moshe Rabbeinu told the Jewish people that as you go into Eretz Yisrael, every Shevet should only marry within their Shevet. And that was the halacha going forward. At some point in a couple generations further than that, the Jewish people realized that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't mean that it should be forever like that. It was only for the time being until things settled down. But eventually, all Shevatim should be allowed to marry within each other. The day that, that Klai Yisrael chopped that, that Klai Yisrael should be allowed to marry within one, every shave within another, that was on a Tubav. So that's the first event that took place on Tubav. Says the Gemara, the second event of Tubav is that Tubav, again later on, was Yom Shehutu Shevet Ben Yom One of the most tragic and strange events in Jewish history is that there was a civil war before the times of the, of the first base of English, there was a civil war in the Jewish people, all the Shvatim against Ben Yom. For whatever reason, something was going on. Binyamin did something wrong, the Sheva Binyamin. And there was a civil war. Ad Kedekach, that there was a cherem, that the Jewish people took upon themselves, that no one is going to be allowed to marry into Sheva Binyamin. And this was going on. Ad Kedekach, that Binyamin was becoming almost lost. There was almost no one left of Binyamin. So the day that the Chachamim got together and rescinded that ban, it was a tubav. This was a similar idea, Shvatim being allowed to marry one to another. Those are the first two events of Tubav. Number three, says the Gemara, Tubav was the day when the last of the generation of the desert died out. Right? We know that the, that whole generation were, des- were destined, you know, they were decreed to die in the, in the wandered desert for 40 years, and only after they passed away could Jewish people go further. The last day that the last one of them passed away was Tubav. Says the Gemara, so why is that a celebration? Says the Gemara, and the significance of that is, is because only after, it's interesting, only after that entire generation passed away, what, did the Rabbanu Shleilam go back and speak to Moshe Rabbeinu in the way that he did before the Chet of the spies. There was a certain level of iskashras the Rabbanu Shleilam had to Moshe Rabbeinu pre-spies. And since the spy, the sin of the spies, even Moshe Rabbeinu's nuvu was not the same, after that whole generation passed away, the Rabbanu Shleilam spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu the way it always was. And that's, that happened on Tubov. Okay. Another thing that happened on Tubov, and again, bear in mind, whenever the Gemara says like six answers to one question, it always means that there's something, there's something missing over here. 
So it says the Gemara, another event that took place on Tubav. It's again later on in Jewish history. Yeruvim ben Avat, right? One of the biggest Rishayim, he, he, you know, he established the Malchus in the north of Eretz Yisrael. So the Pasuk says that he was so threatened by the kingdom of David Melech that he put roadblocks. He put roadblocks in the way, stopping the citizens of the north from going to Yerushalayim to be Oilerego. He put the roadblocks and he made it illegal. So says the Gemara that Tubav, again, after he passed away, Tubav was a day where those roadblocks were removed. And the Jewish people were allowed, not that they were enforced, but they were allowed to go to Yerushalayim if they so chose. And that was on Tubav. Okay. Another event that happened on Tubav, says the Gemara, more famous, is that after the rebellion of Bar Kochba, which was destroyed by the Romans, it was quashed by the Romans, and the city of Betar was destroyed. So the bodies that were killed in Betar, the Romans did not allow them to be buried. But eventually, eventually, the Romans gave permission for the, for the people of Betar to be buried, and that permission that was granted was on Tubav. Okay. Finally, finally, says the Gemara, the last event of Tubav, not chronologically, but the last one recorded in the Gemara, is probably the strangest of all, says the Gemara, Tubav is the day where the sun begins to be not as strong as it was before. Like this is a, a moving towards the fall. It feels as hot, but says the Gemara, this is when the sun is not as stark. Arkadekach says the Gemara that in the, the Beis Amigdash, when they would prepare, they would cut down trees for lumber to burn on the fire, and they would have to, they would cut down the tree and let it, let it dry in the sun to make sure that there was no moisture. Says the Gemara, they wouldn't cut down trees from two above and on because the heat of the sun is not as strong. So says the Gemara, so why is this a celebration? Why is that a good thing? Says the Gemara, because with the, the Yosef Yosef, now that the heat of the sun is not as strong and nights are slowly but surely beginning to get longer and longer, there's more time to learn. The assumption is that during the day you work and at night you have more time. So there's more time to learn, says the Gemara. So this is the, the transition when the nights are getting longer and there's more time to learn. And, that, and that's on Tubov. Okay, so, so what's going on on Tubov? Okay, so let me share with you an idea. It's going to sound a little bit strange, but I think you're used to hearing strange things. So here's a strange thing. Again, we, we all know there's an idea that, again, I, I've, I've talked this many, many times, the concept that we have that's called Eurydice Adaris. So as the generations go on and they move away from Harsinai Lamashal, we get weaker and weaker in our Tyra and our Vaida, things get harder and harder, Amuna becomes more difficult, Eurydice Adaris. So let me explain why that is, a certain aspect of that phenomenon, and from there we'll see what is the issue that neshamas sometimes have in, hold, in them being held back from getting married and, and wanting to have children in v'chul. So it's like this. We experience time in such a way where every moment kind of feels the same. And it's just, you know, one moment is 5.01, and the next moment happens to be 5.02. We're in the same universe, we're in the same place. It's the same world, we're just moving from 5.01 to 5.02. But that's not the way it really is. The way the universe of 501 is not the universe of 501. Right? That's the biggest side. The Rabbanu Shalom recreates the world every single moment. The Mashallah I've given many times is those cartoon flip books that every single page is really its own little page, but it's moving so quickly, being flipped so quickly that it just feels like, like one motion. So 501 is not 502. 502 is not 503. It feels that way because it's just being flipped so, so quickly and so seamlessly, but it's, it's a different universe. And what is the difference between 
a mo one moment and the moment that follows it. So the way to think of it is like this, and this is where the muscle of the flipbook is not so, not so good. Here's the mitzvahs. It's, it's hard for me to figure out the words to say this, but it's something like this. Earlier, moments that are earlier in time, relative and compared to moments that are later in time, don't just see them as earlier pages or earlier moments. Earlier moments are klau, and later moments are prat. What do I mean? So I'll give you an example. Uh, the Ramban in Chumash, for example, says that the first six days of creation, right, the first six days when the Abraham created the world, those first six days were not just the first six days, and then there's going to be many other six days. No, no, no. Those first six days, each day, contained within it everything that was going to be for another corresponding thousand years. We know that Rosh made the world for 6,000 years, right? Those 6,000 years are, are, correspond to the six days of creation, but don't just correspond. Day one of creation was a 24-hour period, but within that 24-hour period was a thousand pages. And the, over the next thousand years, we're unpackaging the details that were really contained in that first day. And the second day of creation, wasn't just one day of creation. That was a 24-hour period that was a cloud that contained within it the second thousand years of creation. And the second thousand years of creation is an unpackaging and the prat that needs to be, that needs to be unfolded and, and brought out from the cloud that was the second day of creation. Go back even further. The first moment of creation so the first day of creation, what does it say in Pasuk? It says, the Rabbanu Shalom made the yi, or let there be light. So that light was not the sun, as we know. That was what, that's called the Arhagon, is the hidden light of creation. And Hashem hid it afterwards. We'll see about that soon. What was that light? So Chazal say that initial, you know, flash of light, the first thing created in the world, says, Chazal say, contained within that light was everything that would ever be. And you could see from that light from one end of the universe to the other. Everything that would ever be from one end of the universe was contained in that, in that flash, in that moment. Why would the Rebbe do that? And then he hides it, and then he begins slowly but surely. The reason why the Rebbe does that is because this is the cloud, this is the rule, this is the way it works, is that when we talk about past versus present, the way to think about it is not just past versus present or going to the future. It's cloud and then prat. That's the way to think of it. That's the way to think of it. The, relative to this moment, 502 was contained within 501, but you didn't notice it, you didn't see it. And then 502 is a prat, is a detail that was sort of swallowed up within 501. In the moment, in the, in the, in the moment of 501, you're experiencing a much broader universe. And then you go into 502, the universe of 502 relative to 501 is much more narrow much more small. So if we were living in the, in the six days of creation, that universe that we would be living in, those are 24-hour periods. Those are six days. But within those six days, those are expansive days. Those are days of cloud. And then we move out of that cloud, we move into the next moment in time, and those are much more constricted days. There is, in the Svarmak Dushan by the Mukubalam, the Kisari, we find that there are certain geometrical shapes that correspond to this dynamic. 
of past being klal and present and future being prat. The circle, the shape of a circle, always means klal. Always means klal. The, 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 in, in, even by mathematicians, the circle is considered to be a perfect, a perfect shape. Because it's equidistant. There's no beginning. There's no end. It's all-encompassing. If you had to pick a shape that would describe a sense of expansiveness and openness and all and inclusiveness, broad broadness and bigness, a day that would contain a thousand years, it would be the circle. Not only is it a shape that's without an end to it, it doesn't it doesn't move away, it's it's all encompassing. In the Kisra I read that Rizal describes that on whatever this means on on a very deep level, the Rizal says that the first initial moment of creation, the Rabbanu Shalom made a circle. The Rizal says in the beginning, before creation, there was nothing. All there was was him. The first moment of creation is that the Rabbanu Shalom made a makam panu, an empty space, which is a circle, a circle shape, surrounded by infinite light. That's the first, that's the first visual that we find in creation from the Kisveri. Because that's describing where things come from, the beginning of all things, the klal. That's the first moment. And said the Arizal, now that you have this huge infinite circle, now we're moving on to 502. And what's 502? So said the Arizal, 502 is a kav, is a straight line that breaks up that circle. If a circle represents what? If a circle represents expansiveness and infinity and broadness and all-encompassing experience, the past, then what represents the future, which is prat, which is details, constriction, and as you move farther and farther into 502, 503, 504, 505, things are becoming tinier and tinier and tinier and tinier. That would be described with a, with a straight line. Because a straight line has a beginning and it has an end. And as you move, it becomes smaller and smaller and smaller and more constricted and more constricted and more constricted. It's like a triangle, like, you know, descending, becoming sharper and sharper and sharper. A circle doesn't have a beginning and an end. It's expansive by its very definition. A straight line has a beginning. If it has a beginning, you know it has an end. So the way to think, even in, in terms of shapes, and it's a funny way to think of it, but the way to think of history is that history really is moving from a big circle into a tiny constricted line. That's really what it is. And it's exactly what we find in the Kisviari. Now the nature of, of, a, of a circle-like moment, what does a circle-like moment feel like? Uh, a circle-like moment, in a person's be- in the beginning, those circle-like moments, those are moments that you feel the most attached to the spiritual. You see, the difference between spiritual and physical is also this idea. The more something, the, the more something is ruchnias, the more, the more, the broad it is, the more expansive it is, the less constricted. Body, phys- physicality is very constricted, very constricted. Either you're here or you're there. For example, the Gemara says in Brachas, the Gemara is like comparing Malachim to like Elyonavi and how fast they are. The Gemara says that like Gavriel can do uh, two flaps and get from one side of the universe to the other. And, uh, you know, Michal can do one flap. And like Elyonavi has to, you know, he has to take a train. He'll get there, but he takes, he takes more time. It's what we're talking about. It's not a matter of speed. 
This is how spiritual something is. The more ruchni something is, the more circle-like they are, the more everything, the more, the, the more everywhere they are. Because if you're in that moment of that first day of creation, 24-hour period, then in that 24-hour period, you're, you're, you cover a thousand years. You cover a thousand years. The more physical you are, the more constricted you are, the more either you're in 504 or 505, the more, the more contained you are, the more specific you are. That's the difference between Ruchnitz and Gashmiz. This is why one of the deepest malachim, there's different categories of malachim, right? There's Chayis HaKadosh, there's Serafim. One of the most mysterious categories are malachim that are called Aifanim. Aifanim v'chayis HaKadosh. What does an Aifan mean? An Aifan means a wheel. An Aifan is a wheel, like if you have a, like a wheel of a car or something, that's called an Aifan. Ofanayim is a bicycle, right? There's two, two wheels. An Aifan means a wheel. What type of thing is this that malachim are called aifanim? And not only that, those are the deepest malachim. It's because the universe that they encompass is that place of a circle. So when a neshama is connected to a certain, to a moment in history, which is a circle-like moment, the last thing it wants to do is to go into a straight line. That's the last thing it wants. Because when it's holding in that circle, it's expansive, it's divine, it's connected to Ruchnias. The Neshama feels more at home in that place of Klal. Prat, things that are, that are Mugbal, that are constricted, that's the place of this world. The Neshama doesn't want to be there, that's unnatural to it. So there is, the, the, and this is the phenomenon of Rida Sadaris. Why is it that as we move farther and farther along the course, things get smaller and smaller and smaller in terms of our understanding of Tyre and of Rida Hashem and our Hiskashras? Telekos and so on. Why is that? Well, because that's the nature. Because every moment, every moment is moving farther and farther away from that collective, from that big circle of the six days of creation. Every single moment is moving farther and farther away from that collective cloud, from that Ifanim, and moving more into that circle. And even one moment, which maybe is a circle-like moment, when the neshama thinks of the next moment, the next moment relative. 505 compared to 504 is a line compared to a circle. Because again, every moment in time contains within it all future moments. So on some level, when, when you're in a certain moment in history and you gaze towards the future, when you look at the future, you feel the future as more constrictive. Because compared to where you are right now, that future is, is, is part of the circle of, the, of, of now. And moving beyond this moment to the next moment, that's called becoming more mugba, becoming more constricted. This is why before Mashiach comes, or one of the reasons before Mashiach comes, there's a very, very subtle desire on the part of certain neshamas not to move on in life, not to move on with Shadokim and, and Ishtablis to have children. Why? This is a very subtle point. It's because by, by getting married and having children, by connecting yourself to the next generation, the next generation compared to where you are of your generation feels constrictive and feels smaller, feels more like a, like a, like a straight line compared to a circle. And Davka, as you get closer to the end of time, where things are becoming more and more constricted, and who knows what, who knows, 
already right now, it's already as hard. It's hard to feel the Rebbe Nishleilam. What's going to be in another generation? And so there's a part of the Nefesh that doesn't want to connect itself to another, to the next moment and the next generation because the next generation compared to this generation is more of a line compared to a circle. So what's the Eitzah? So it's like this, you know, the, the, the month of Av, I, I might have put off more than I can show, I'm going to do the best I can. The month of Av, we know every single month is, is, is created with a certain letter of the Aleph base. Okay? It's fine. So what's the letter of the month of Av? And let's understand, Tubav, which is the 15th of Av, is the Shlemus, that's when the, the moon is, is full. It's like the Shlemus of the month of Av, this letter is going to be shining most bright. What's the letter of the month of Av? It's the letter Tess. The letter Tess, even the shape of the Tess, it's like a vessel, it's like a cup, with something being put inside of it. Says the Zara Kavish, the letter Tess is Tuve Ganes Begave. Toiv, something very good, is hidden within it. What does that mean? So let me explain. What is the word, whenever you find the word in Chazal, the word Toiv, that goodness is hidden within it. Toiv, what's Toiv? So we always have to look at the first place the word Toiv is used in Chumash. What's the first place Toiv is used the first time? So it says, ki Toiv Hashem created that first light. And you saw that light that it was good. That first light was the greatest circle to ever be. Like I said, that was a light that the entire universe was contained in that light. And going, everything is just prat to that cloud. And says the Zara Kaddish, the letter test means Tuve, that light that Hashem then hid after that first moment, Ganes Begeve is hidden somewhere. Where is it hidden? The answer is <clears throat> that light of creation was not just taken away. That great circle is actually hidden at the very, very end of the very, very last line. You know, in after this this after is Nachamu, yeah? So it says, Nachamu, Nachamu Ami. Be consoled, be comforted. And it says, Kol Kari Bamidbar, that a voice calls out in the desert, Panu Derech. Pave a way for Mashiach. So Gula is described in the Haftarah, and I'm going to explain, Gula is described in the Haftarah as like a bulldozer coming and just, just pushing everything aside, making a path. It, it sounds, remember, remember when the Jewish people were traveling the desert, right? And they were surrounded by Anani Akavid, clouds of glory. And then they, there was this one cloud in front of them that would travel. And if there was a valley, the cloud miraculously would raise the valley up. If there was a mountain, the, the, the cloud would miraculously, you know, lower the mountain. Just make everything even and smooth sailing. Panu derech. The Rizal says that the secret of that Anan, of that cloud, which is also what the Haftar is talking about, Panu Derech means, that although it might seem to us that when things started off as that cloud, which is that infinite, expansive moment, that infinite, expansive experience of God, and ever since that initial moment of light, ever since that big circle, we've been doing nothing more than going deeper and deeper into that line and moving farther and farther away from that expansiveness. But the secret of that cloud that paves the way, and the secret of that plastic of Nachmu Nachmami, which is Panu Derech says, that nothing has changed in truth. 
You might go through a life where sometimes there's mountains, sometimes there's valleys. Sometimes it's like this, sometimes it's like that. Sometime, and, and it feels like there's, there's change happening. That 501 was more expansive than 502. And 502 was more expansive than 503. And we're constantly going down and down and down and things are changing. That cloud, Panu Derek says, nothing's changed. And although on the outside it might seem that every moment becomes more difficult and more mugbal and every generation becomes more constricted with deeper and darker nisyayinus, but you should know what emerges at the very, very end of the final line. The answer is the original circle. The original circle. This is the secret of Mashiach. What happens when Mashiach comes? So the Pasuk says, when Mashiach comes, all of a sudden, that expansiveness and that infinite sense of being and that connection to, to, to everything that is something that we experienced in the very beginning of creation will reemerge at the end of creation. When Mashiach comes, every single yid is going to feel a part of every other yid. Every single moment is going to feel that every other moment in all of history is contained in that moment. We're going to move, we're going to experience the world in such a way where it's not lines anymore, it's not detail, detail, detail. We're going to be experiencing cloud, completely all-encompassing, the, the original light of creation from one of the universe to the other. But what's amazing about Mashiach is that, that that experience, which is going to be reminiscent of the beginning of creation, is actually emerging at the very end of creation. Well, how? The answer is, because that really has been the underbelly, and that's been the undercurrent, that's been behind the scenes of every single moment throughout time. Really nothing's changed. Just like that cloud that paves the way, and you might look and say, oh, this is a mountain, this is a valley. There's a forest, and there's a desert. That cloud says, nothing's changed. That cloud says, the same infinite God that you were connected to so deeply, the first moment of creation, is exactly the same God that you're intimately connected to every single moment of creation. You might be experiencing lines, but in truth, what you're really experiencing is circles. Vaharaya, when you get to the very end of the line, what's going to be revealed is just a big circle. This is the secret of Tubav. The secret of Tubav is the letter Tes. And the letter Tes means Tuve, the Toiv, the goodness of creation, the all-encompassing circle that everything started with, Gones Begave, is hidden in the very smallest, narrowest line. When you get to Yerida Sadoiris in the very, very end, where the line cannot get any more narrow, from there emerges a circle. And this is the secret of what was going on with these girls on every tubov. They would go out and dance in circles in vineyards. Why in a vineyard? So you know, the Gemara says that, that after the second basin was destroyed, the Chachamim resettled, Sanhedrin resettled in a place of Yavne. Yavne was a city that the Chachamim settled in. And the Besmedrash that the Chachamim lived in, in Yavna, the Sanhedrin, was called Kerem the Yavna, the vineyard of Yavna. Why is it called a Kerem? It was not a vineyard. You could go there now. It's, it's, it's sandy. It's not a place to grow grapes. Why was it called a Kerem? So the Yishami says the reason is, is because the Chachamim sat in lines, in rows. And when you plant a vineyard, it's in rows, it's in lines. So here's the amazing thing. Everything starts off as a circle. And then it moves into lines. And because things move into lines, that's what's holding back the Bachram from wanting to get married. Because the Bachram don't want to get married, because getting married deep down inside of them means we're connecting ourselves to the next line, which is even narrower than this line. 
connecting ourselves to the next generation with even more smaller hasagas in our generation. And why would I want to continue down that path of lines? So the women, the girls go out, they go to the place of the vineyard, which, is, which are lines, and they say, we're going to make a circle in the lines. We're going to be mechazik the men, and we're going to tell them, Chevra, don't worry about it. You can get married. You can have children. You can keep on going weiter. And it's true that maybe the next generation that you're going to give birth to are going to be kids that have more difficult nesiyonis than even you have. But at the Sachakal, what's going to be at the end of all of that? A circle. So there's really nothing to worry about. Because at the end of all of the Yerides HaDairis, what you eventually, what you eventually reach is not the end of the road. What you eventually reach after all Yerides HaDairis is the infinite expansiveness of where it all started from. The great secret of creation is circle, lines, leading to another circle. That's the secret of creation. And that's the meaning of what the Gemara says at the end of Tainus, which is what? There's going to be a big circle of tzaddikim, and the Rabbanishim is going to be in the middle, and each one is pointing with a finger. A finger is what? What shape is a finger? It's a line. It means so every tzaddik is pointing equidistant to the Rabbanishim in the middle with a finger. If they're all pointing to a, cent- to a center point, it means that center point is a circle. So what, what's being described in that chazal is what? A big circle with lines in the middle, all leading and pointing to a center circle. That's the secret of Aifanim, that's the secret of a circle within a circle, with, with being connected with lines. This is the site of Tubav. The site of Tubav is Nachmu Nachmu Ami. The site of Tubav is that it's guaranteed that Mashiach is going to come. You know why? Because everything started as a circle, and it's going to end as a circle. But amazingly enough, the Rabbanu Shalom has decided that in order for us to, re, to recapture that original circle, it's by going through lines and lines and lines, and more constricted, more narrow, narrow, the more narrow the constraints, and smaller and smaller, Tiny Rasagas, more you read the Sadaris, but eventually all leads to what? It leads to Gula, it leads to that original circle. Let's go very quickly to, to now understand all the, all the events of Tubav in this context. The first two events that took place in Tubav is that the Tubav was a day that it was decided by Chazal that all Shvatim could marry one to another. Why? Because the nature, the nature of a line is, that again, Prat, Dit, Detail. Prat means specificity. It means Reuven is not Shimon. Shimon is not Levi. Levi is not Yehuda. Yehuda is not Yisachar. But what's a circle? A circle means that everything is one. A circle means Don is Asher, and Asher is God, and God is Zvulun, and Zvulun is Naftali, and they're all interincluded with each other. In lines, every tzaddik is his own line. Every moment is is its own moment. But that, ori- no, that, that original day of creation, that original light of creation, contained everything that was going to be. So in that, in that one particular light, beam of light, that one photon, contained everything. Tubav is a day that reveals this truth, that even when you're holding in line, even when you're holding in prat, even when you're holding in, sp- in specific moments, but that specific moment contains within it a circle. It contains within it everything. And the circle that everything began with is never lost. It's just... It's just beneath the surface. So beneath the surface of a guy from Shevet Dun is all of Kla Yisrael. 
All of Klai Yisrael is a circle. Shevadon is a particular line. But contained within every line, ultimately, is a circle. So, of course, every Sheva can marry within another because there's no difference between one Sheva and another. Every Sheva contains every Sheva. What's another event that took place in Tubav? So the Gemara says another event on Tubav, if you remember, was what? It was the day that the, that the generation of the, of, the, of, the, of the desert died out and the Rabbanishim was able to talk to Maishu Rabbeinu once again. Maishu Rabbeinu is that original light. It says regarding Maishu Rabbeinu that, that, that when he was born, the whole house was full of light, Chazal say, and they saw that he was good, they called him Tovia. Moshe Rabbeinu is that original light. Moshe Rabbeinu is a light of everything. Everything is hinted to in Tyrus Moshe. The Moshe Rabbeinu's nevuah has everything in it. Moshe Rabbeinu, the moment of his, create, of his birth, contained all the madrigas he would ever have as an old man. And the moment of his old age, he was as healthy as he was when he was young. Moshe Rabbeinu means no beginning, no end. Moshe Rabbeinu Bechlal is a circle. Moshe Rabbeinu, I don't even know, he, no, he doesn't even know where he's buried. There's no beginning, there's no end. Moshe Rabbeinu Chazal say dies in Zion Adar and is born in Zion Adar. Not born in Zion Adar, then dies. Dies and then born. Moshe Rabbeinu is without beginning, without end. Moshe Rabbeinu is the embodiment of that light. After Netzach, right. After the, that, that whole generation of Moshe Rabbeinu, the dying out of that generation means lines. What's a line? Again, it means you read this other Things getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Their first starts off at 600,000. The next, the next year, it's 500,000. And the next year, it's 400,000. 300,000. It keeps on getting smaller and smaller, more narrow, more narrow, more narrow. More of the others, tiny, tiny, tiny. And what happens at the very, very end of the line, end of the road, when they all die out? Ma'ishu back. The circle comes back. That's Tubov. That's exactly what Tubov is. That, every, that within every prat was really contained the entire cloud. And when you get past all the pratim, what emerges out is the cloth that you started with, Moshe Rabbeinu. What's another thing that happened at Tubov? All the Jewish people were finally allowed to return to Yerushalayim, right? The roadblocks were removed. What's Yerushalayim? Of all of Eretz Yisrael, every particular shape has their, has their place. But there's one city in all of Eretz Yisrael that everyone has the same portion, and that's Yerushalayim. It's everyone goes to Yerushalayim. Everyone has equal chalik in Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is the circle. Yushalayim is, is the cloud that everything is contained in. So you have Tiveria is a line. That's one particular Shevet's city. Uh, Akko is another line. Everything is a line. But all roads, all these individual roads, lead to what? To the circle of Yushalayim. What's another thing? The final thing that happened to the, the another thing that happened to above is that the, de- the people of Beitar were, were able to be buried. A burial is the same Indian. Death means everything came to an end. That line finally came to the end point. It came to the most narrow conclusion of the end. But then what happens? You take the body and you put it in the earth, which is where everything started from. Adam came from the earth. And so the very, very end returns to its very beginning. The ability to do that, the ability to recapture the beginning in the very, very end of things, that was on Tubav. The final thing that happens on Tubav is what? Is that the sun diminishes nights begin to get longer and longer. The sun, light, always means Moshe. It means, always means Moshe, right? Moshe is like the sun, Yeshua is like the moon. Tubav means the sun begins to diminish in strength. Things are getting smaller and smaller. You read the Zadaris, nighttime always means Chayshech, it means Golas, it means Prat, it means you're not sure what the next, 
what's in front of your face. Light always means you could see the big picture. Darkness means I don't see the big picture. I have to feel my way around corner to corner. Night, darkness always means prat. Light always means klal. The fact that tubav means that we're beginning to get, we're entering into a time where the nights are getting longer means that things are getting more deep. The prat, we're getting into that, that line mode. But says the Gemara, but paradoxically, as the nights get longer, there's more time to learn Torah. And Torah is the greatest light of all. And so davke, davke, the more, the more the lines take us down that narrow path, the more we're actually able to find that holistic circle, clarity, moment of light, of transcendent light of Torah's Moshe, davke in those more constricted moments. And this is ultimately the nechama that the neshamas before the end of time have to hear, which is there's nothing to be afraid of. Is that the next generation, like, like it, it, you know, people think I've, I've had many conversations happens to be about this, which is like if things are bad now, like human, like, like raising kids, like who? Every day there's like a new mishagas in the world. Can you imagine what's going to be in like five years from now? So that's not just something that people fetch about. That could be a deep tine in the neshama holding a person back from wanting to move weiter in life. So we have, Tuvav comes to comfort the neshama by saying, Nachmu, Nachmami, guaranteed that as far as this line takes us and as crazy as the world becomes, the end zone is what? Is that original expansive circle. And this is something that we find, Bizman Azeh, we find this, that as Yeridus Adaris takes place and as we get farther and farther away from that big picture, what's the and we get smaller and smaller and smaller, smaller in our asagas, what is the greatest demand of our generation? The big picture. Dafka, the, dafka, the culmination of Yeridus HaDairis, you would think, would be people that only want the smallest things. But it's v'nahapechu. Dafka, the smallest people, and as we've been taken down this path of narrowness, the, fi- the most narrow corner of, of existence, which is the last generation, Tafka is asking for what? Expansiveness. It's v'nahapechu. That's exactly the point. Everything started off expansive, and then we were thrown into this matzah of constriction, but all the constriction leads to just expansiveness once again. And I was sharing with some of the, with some of the chaverim this morning that Rav Kook, I'll probably talk about this also Sunday morning, but Rav Kook, told, Rav Kook wrote, a, wrote a, an essay called Hadar, The Generation, and he sums up the issue and he was talking about a time where people were going off the derech like in droves. And he said, you know what the issue is? He said, the issue of the generation is not a Yitzhahara issue. It's not a taiva issue. It's not, it's not a heart issue. It's not a, it's not a Yiddishkeit issue. It's, a, it's an education issue. Because what the generation wants now is big ideas, big hasagas, expansiveness. And all they're being fed are small little tiny ideas. And those small little tiny ideas make sense when you think of them, when you think of the generation in terms of Ritha Sattaris, that we're just part of that line that's, ever, that's, inc- that's increasingly narrower and narrower as time goes on. And it would make sense that the more narrow the line, the smaller concepts you need to feed it. But this is the paradox. The girls are dancing in the vineyards, saying that as you get deeper and deeper into those lines, the more expansive the more, the, the, more the, the greater circles around the corner and the deeper the need to have the, the expansiveness. Says Rav Kook, the, the biggest etzer for the generation to be makar of the whole world is what? Is to share with them big ideas in very simple language. Because they are in simple places. We are, in a, we are talking a low madrega. 
but it doesn't take away from the need of the generation to experience big ideas. You just need big people to be able to figure out how to package big ideas in very small, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a tiny way. But if you can package a big idea in a tiny way, that's feeding the neshama what it needs. That's giving chizik for the neshama of like, oh, I can carry on. Because it reminds the neshama of this truth that the next moment, as difficult as it might be, and as crazy nisyanis that might be around the corner, but you know what's around the next corner? Maish Rabbeinu. Maish Rabbeinu is around the next corner. So you know what? I could, I could, I could, I'll be able to be civil the next corner if after the next corner is Maish. I have no problem with that. If at the very, very end is a big circle, I could be able to handle all the small lines getting there. Hashem should help us in the day of Tubav. Every single one of us should find chizik within ourselves and be able to find the strength, the whole generation should find that strength of confidence, of knowing that at the end of the day, Moshe Rabbeinu is going to come back. At the day, Mashiach is going to come, and Davka, we shouldn't be afraid of connecting to big ideas, of giving big ideas to each other, and of demanding big ideas of ourselves and from our Chaverim and from the whole Kehillah and from all of Kalah Yisrael. We have to experience that expansiveness. The BS called Tzedek and every man who offers.